on episode 235 on Arsenal Gothenburg podcast. We're going to talk English um, because we have an English guest with us, Andrew Arsblog Mangan, famously known from Arsblog and Arscast. Um, we talk Arsenal, basically. We get to know Andrew and then we just have a general Arsenal chat. We talk about former players, current players. We talk about the... Um, Newcastle's new owners, which is not Arsenal, but, you know, um, like to keep up with news. Um, it's a good chat. So, I uh, hope you enjoy it. And if you listen to this and want to become a member of Arsenal Gothenburg, go to arsenalgoteborg.se or visit us on social media at ArsenalGBG on Twitter, Instagram and on Facebook, Arsenal Göteborg. Uh, and read more there how you become a member. Um, yeah, let's let's go to me, self, Andrew, and Oscar. Uh, here we go. Yes, hello and welcome to Arsenal Gothenburg podcast, a podcast for Arsenal fans, by Arsenal fans, to Arsenal fans, where emotions run the show. Um, we were just talking about emotions uh, before I start record, so we'll see how it goes. But with me today, as always, I'd like to say welcome to my friend Oscar. Hello, Oscar. How are you in English this time? Hello, Philip. I'm good. It's good to be here again. And uh, I like speaking English. So that's good and uh, very excited about our guest today. Yes, uh, I think we just go through it. No further ado, we are very pleased to have you back, uh, Andrew Arsblog Mangan. Hello, Andrew, how are you? Thanks, Andrew Arsblog Mangan, that's good. <laughs> uh, I'm good, guys, how are you? Um, fine, fine. Um, I'm a bit tired uh, still. I went to a wedding this weekend um, on Saturday it was lovely it was uh, fun and everything but Sunday not so fun if you know what I mean but um, I'm here well that's good I mean it's better than not being here after a wedding that would have been a, an unfortunate wedding if you weren't here now yeah because of that so uh, text Oscar and everything like I can't do the pod today Oscar because I'm not I'm not here I'm not I don't know where I am but I'm not here <laughs> But good thing I We're am. We're glad to have you here, Philip. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, Oscar, we like to talk about weather uh, weather and music before we start to get to info, into football. So I go with you, Oscar. How is the weather at your place today? It's sunny, a bit windy. Uh, pretty decent for a day in October. But, yeah. It's all right. Not too exciting. Andrew, how's the weather in Ireland? Weather in Ireland is not bad at all. It's currently 14 degrees with a real feel of 13 degrees. So there you go. We have a wind speed of, I don't know what the wind speed is, but uh, oh, 15 kilometers an hour. There you go. Uh, humidity, 76%. There you go. And uh, it's, it's very pleasant, actually, considering the time of year. Uh, I was expecting it to be colder and gloomier, but it's... It's pretty good, and I cooked burgers on the barbecue earlier. That's how nice it was today. So nice, nice. I, I yeah. have this uh, funny thing. You said it's fourteen degrees, but it feels like, or what do you say? It feels like thirteen degrees. Yeah, yeah. the the what the weather app that I use it it gives you the actual temperature, and then there's a thing called real feel, exactly. which I guess is like if you've got a really cold wind or something, it, it takes a few degrees off, or it can be slightly warmer. I don't really understand what the real feel thing is, but um, you know, it's there on the app, so I just said it, so it might sound like I knew what I was talking about, to be honest. Because I was thinking about it's kind of like you know support Arsenal. Like I support Arsenal. It's a big club, but the real thing is uh, it's pretty average nowadays. Do you know what I mean? You can apply that to many other things. Yeah, maybe they have that on the uh, the official Arsenal app. I'll just have a look here and yeah. see. No, they don't have it. It's like listen to music. Like I like um, 
I like Ramones. It's punk rock, but actually nowadays it's more like pop music. Yeah, there's always a set, an extra meaning to something if you look hard enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking about music, we have this, uh, this thing in our podcast, uh, now we're recording on Monday. We have a thing called Metal Monday, because Oscar uh, and our third co-host, Tobias, who couldn't be here today, uh, because he is not here. Um, no, did he go to a wedding at the weekend? Or? Uh, he just worked, so I, okay. I think it's... We can tell you this much. It's colder where he, where he's at because he's in Svalbard. And he sent me pictures that it had snowed during the weekend. And that feels oh. cold. Usually is when it snows, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Usually <laughs> when you live in the most northern society on Earth as well. Oh, wow. That, yeah. Uh, not for me. I prefer the, the warmer weather, I have to say. Not for me either. I've been there and uh, went to see him once. Uh, it was cold as... I, I won't about to say cold as hell, but you know, hell is warm. But cold as hell if it, the hell freezes over, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Uh, but Metal Monday. Oscar and Tobias loves heavy metal. Um, so we usually do this. We have a song tip for our audience, for our listeners. Um, Last week, actually, we recorded on Tuesdays. We had Techno Tuesday. Uh, but Oscar, do you have a heavy metal? Do you have a metal song you would like to share with you? That's a good question. I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm just looking through the list. I'm going to say Party in My Head with Pain. Is that Thomas Party in your head? No, actually not. But it's a good song. New song released this year. All right, cool, cool. Andrew, what kind of music are you into? You like uh, David Bowie? I've seen on social media. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm like a. I think I don't know if I like any new music. I think I've got too old to like new music. Um, perhaps I'm not sure. I don't don't have as much time to explore and discover new music as I would like to. You know, back in the old days, I used to spend a lot of time in record shops and. Uh, listen to things and buy things and experiment with things but i don't know what what happens when you get older you just either don't have the the inclination or the time to do it but i like loads of stuff um i'm glad to see abba back that's great isn't it but is it though is it great i don't know i haven't even heard the song yet so um, uh, yeah, i missed out. Uh, i well i'm not a huge abba fan i mean yeah I think it's fun for the people who really likes and enjoys ABBA, but uh, it's not the thing I usually listen to. No, me neither, to be fair. But, uh, you know, ABBA was a, a big band when I was growing up, so they were impossible to ignore. And, um, you know, right now they're the only the only Swedish band I can think of, apart from Ace of Bass. Are they Swedish? Yep, yep, they are. Yep. There you go. There you go. But otherwise, do you have a song tip? It doesn't have to be metal, if I, we can make an exception for you. Oh, God. Um, I have to actually pick a song. You don't have to, but if, if you feel like it. Um, I'll come back to you before the end of the podcast, and I'll think of something before the end of the podcast. How about that? Great, great. Uh, good. Then I have a song as well. I, I'm not that into metal, but I just um, find um, uh, Ghost, Oscar, the Swedish rock band. Is that metal? Ghost? Uh, on the fringes, I would say, maybe. Yeah, right. But, yeah, go ahead. Uh, they have a great song called Square Hammer, so I just throw that out there since uh, talking about Swedish bands. So, Ghost with the song Square Hammer. That's my song tip for the day. Um, but we're not here to talk about weather. We're not here to talk about music. We're here to talk about uh, Arsenal, basically. Because, Andrew, according to my papers, you support Arsenal as well. Yes. Yes, that's why we're here. <laughs> that's why we're here. Uh, yeah, great. Uh, so I think we're going to do it like this. I know, Andrew, uh, this is your third time, uh, like I said, guest in the show. Um, but I think we're going to do it like this. Every time we have a guest in our show, we do the introduction questions. Um, you know, it's Arsenal-related questions to you, so we and the uh, listeners get to know you from an Arsenal perspective. And maybe, I don't know, we get some talking points d during the questions. Uh, sound, does it sound good? 
Sound good? Yes. Fine. Yeah, you're you guys are in charge here. Perfect. You ask the questions, I do the answers, and it's all good. So you know, you you you're the boss. So I'll just follow follow what you say. When you say that I'm the boss, I feel like Borat. You know, in Borat for me, I'm king of the castle. King of the castle. I got a share. Uh, well, I'm glad I could make you feel that good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, feel like Borat. I don't know if that's a good uh, thing, but uh, no, yeah. me neither. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, Oscar, do you want to fire away with the first question? Yeah, or you maybe you should do it because it's your favorite question. Uh, it's my favorite question, uh, and it's yeah. All right, here here it is. What's your name? Andrew. Andrew. Yeah. Do you have a last name or anything? Oh sure, yeah, but you already said it at the start of the show. Yeah, but um, I want to hear you say it so I can get so I can feel like yes, I said it right. You know what I mean? Okay, sure, a Andrew Mangan. Yes, it actually was yeah. one time I had a guest and I asked this question and the guest said another name that I have you know introduced him by, so I feel like kind of important to me uh, to hear the guest say the right name. Uh, but After that, you've already said it, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, all right. And the thing to do might just be to ask them their name first to make sure you're saying it right. But look, I, I, this is good. This is good. Thank you very much. Uh, Oscar, next question. When, how and why did you start to support Arsenal? When, sometime in the 1970s. I don't know exactly when. Um, how and why... Um, like I obviously I love football, but I was uh, a kid who grew up in England. I was born in England, and my parents, both my parents, are are Irish, and they lived over there. They were working over there, and it was a case that when we were kids, we were always told, despite the fact we were born in England, you are Irish. You know, you're, you're, um, that's your country, if you like. It was never a case that just because you're born in England, you're going to be English. We were, you know, um, we were Irish. And at that time, Arsenal had a lot of Irish players, like David O'Leary, Liam Brady, uh, Frank Stapleton, John Devine. There were guys from Northern Ireland as well, like Pat Rice, Pat Jennings, Sammy Nelson. There was a lot of, of Irish people at Arsenal at that time. So I think that's why. I can't say 100% that's why, but I can only imagine that that Irish connection is what made me an Arsenal fan. It, it, it feels like is something uh, that you can apply on the generation, I don't know, to our generation maybe, but yeah, pretty much our generation, where there's a lot of French uh, French Arsenal supporters, you know, because of Pires, Henri... Uh, Viltord and everything, and Wenger especially. Um, mm. Yeah, do you have any favorite Irish player in Arsenal? Well, Liam Brady was was always my favorite, even though I was still very young. I never got to see him play live for Arsenal, but he was kind of like my first footballing hero. And then in 1980, he left to go and sign for Juventus. Um, you know, and, and you have to remember at that time, Serie A, Italy was the the you know the creme de la creme of, of football in Europe, all the best players went to Italy, and that'll tell you just how much quality Liam Brady had. So, yeah, he was my favorite, um, and probably to this day remains my favorite, because I think he's probably still the best Irish player that Arsenal have ever had. Because that kind of leads me to the next question, um, which is your favorite Arsenal players throughout the years. Is that Liam Brady, or is that someone else? Um, I think it probably has to be someone else, you know, in terms of uh, a player that you experienced or a player that you, you watched closely and connected with while they were playing for Arsenal, you know? So in that case, it would be, it would probably be Robert Perez or Cesc Fabregas would be the two players um, that, that would be top of my list. Um, just because of how good they were and the way that they played, I think was amazing. And it's 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 a really difficult question because you can talk about your, your favorite players or or what have you, and you're you're leaving out amazing players like Tony Adams and Ian Wright and Anders Limpar, who was another one who I really loved. And 
Patrick Vieira and Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp. And you're thinking, oh, how is it possible to even just narrow it down to one player or two players? And, and you feel bad for leaving these guys out because they were so good as well. But um, I don't know. It's I don't know what it is. It's like uh, you think they're all brilliant, but you just have a little soft spot for one or two that 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 sets them apart, I think. Yeah, and that's that's exactly it. Because the question is your favorite player, not the player that you you know think is the best player. And your favorite, yeah, is, is a, it's like me and Oscar talked uh, over the phone the other day, and he kind of you know teased me because I because I liked Ivobi. Uh, I don't know why I liked him. I just liked him, and he, he's far from the best. Don't get me wrong here. He's he's not that good, but uh, you know, I, I there was something about him that I liked. Uh, I had a follow up question on Pires. Um, how old were you when Arsenal bought Pires? How old was I when Arsenal bought Pires? So it was 2000 or 2001? They bought in 2000, I think. Um, right. So I would have been 29 uh, all right. in the year 2000. So, yeah. Because this is my point I was going to make is when Arsenal uh, bought Pires... Uh, they just sold Mark over Mar Mark over Mars, right? Uh, and yeah. at that time, he w over Mars was one of my favorite players, and I was kind of devastated, you know, because they sold over Mars and bought this Robert Pires. I don't know who is Robert Pires. You know, he's never gonna do what over Mars did. Um, how was your feeling at the time? Because did you like Pires from the start, or was you like were you like me? Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure. I mean, I didn't know a great deal about him at the time, but I do remember um, very clearly that that um, he had a choice between Arsenal and Real Madrid, the two clubs that were trying to s sign him. So I always figured, like, if Real Madrid were after him, then this is probably a good player. And also, it was at a time where I think if Arsene Wenger signed a player from the French League it usually was because he had some special knowledge of them, you know? Because yeah, he brought in Anelka, he brought in Thierry Henry. Like, nobody had heard of Anelka because he was so young. Thierry Henry was, uh, you know, had been at Juventus. He'd done well at Monaco, played at the World Cup and all that, but but hadn't done well at Juventus. And I think he, uh, Patrick Vieira, of course, another one where you're going, who's this guy? And he just came in and was brilliant. So I think there was this trust in in Arsene Wenger and the the players that he was going to bring in. It's not like every player he brought in was like a, a, a gem or a genius or anything like that. But I think when, when he decided to replace Mark Overmars with Robert Perez, you kind of had to say, okay, I think he probably knows what he's doing here. And it took him a little while to get going, but... Uh, yeah, I think it proved to be a very, very successful signing. Yeah, very good, very good. Maybe it was just me because I, w I was very young at the time, so, you know. Um, all right, moving on, next question. And I realize this is my question as well because this question is a two-parted question. So the second part of the question is who is your favorite player in the current squad? Hmm. That's a good question. That's not a lot. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I know what you mean, though. It is yeah. kind of difficult to to narrow it down to, like, it's probably got to be Bakayo Saka, maybe? Yeah, that's a good shout. Saka, Smith-Rowe, Odegaard. I like those guys because they're new and they're fresh and they represent something about the future of the of the club and the team, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, because things haven't been as good as you would like on the pitch, there have been a lot of players who've been a bit disappointing or players who who have some question marks over them. Um, so I like I like those guys. Um, I like Kieran Tierney a lot as well. I really like his character. I like the way that he plays and the way that he approaches the game and everything else. So those guys would be the the top of the top of the pops for me, I reckon. And Bukayosaka number seven as well. So maybe it's something mm. about this. Didn't Liam Brady had number seven as well? He did, but did. so did Nelson Vivas. Oh, so right. Mm. You know. all right. So um, did Rocky Rowe Castle. Yeah, very true. 
It's a it's it's a number which has had more good than bad down the years. That's for sure. True that. True that. Uh, Oscar, I give you the word for the next question. Yeah. So uh, we have a question which isn't so easy to translate to English because it's uh, it's rice and rose in Swedish and. In English, that would be probably getting or bollocks. I've heard the term used. Or what's the best thing about Arsenal and what's the worst thing about Arsenal? And that can be anything from the board, um, the management of the club, or whatever you feel like it's the best and the worst about the club. Best thing about the club. Um... It's a broad question. It's very broad, isn't it? I mean, there are a lot of things that I I just like about Arsenal because it's Arsenal. Um, you know, I think the the fact that a football club can uh, can exist and somehow I'm sitting in my office in Dublin in Ireland. And I'm chatting away to two guys from Sweden on a podcast that can be, you know, at some point heard anywhere in the world. I think that sort of global community of Arsenal fans is something that is always um, and will always be a really awesome thing. You know, that this football club, regardless of where you are in the world, brings people together. And it's not to say that Arsenal fans are all super friends and everyone's, you know, you know that there is some factions and things like that. But in general, this idea that you have something in common with people you might never meet, you know, um, I think that's a really great thing. It's not necessarily specific to Arsenal, but I think for me, it's it's one of the best things about it. Um, now I have to pick a worse thing, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. What is the worst thing? Hmm. That's... I'm struggling with that, to be honest. I mean, you, you could do something really obvious and easy, like the owners or whatever it might be, but I'm not sure that's particularly helpful. That's usually, that's usually what people say. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you could just get new owners and they could be just as bad. So... Um, I don't want to be that um, unthinking about it. What is the worst thing about Arsenal right now? I suppose the worst thing is that we're just where we are mm. and how our stature has fallen and how how our reputation isn't what it was and how the team isn't as good as it should be and how I think we've wasted some of the the initial post Arsene Wenger time we've made too many mistakes. Um, and I'm glad to see that it looks like we're learning from some of those mistakes. When you look at the, the transfer business that we've done this summer, and we've tried to do things in a, in a strategic way, you know, we've brought in some, some young players and, and what have you. That's good. But I feel like we've, we've wasted time trying to sort things out at executive level. People have come and gone. Um, Players have come and gone. We've spent money on players we shouldn't have. We've given money to players we shouldn't have. Um, but maybe that's just part of the process that you have to go through when you when you um, part with a manager like Arsene Wenger. So that's what I will go for. That's a good a good answer, I would say. Okay. Um, different? Yeah, uh, different, like Oscar said, like the most usual uh, answer, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just the owners, and you can understand why people are saying that, you know what I mean? But um, Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, oh. And usually people uh, talk, uh, say the best thing is the community or the fans, or that's usually where people end up, and there's no right, and wrong, no right or wrong answers, but that's what people usually say our guest usually ends up around those answers yeah 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 yeah. all right before moving on uh last question um andrew are you a member of arsenal gothenburg not as far as i'm aware i don't think so you are that either but i tell you why uh not why i tell you what uh a couple of weeks ago me and oscar talked to your friend and colleague andrew allen 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't a member either, but we strike the deal. Uh, I okay. said, I pay your membership, and when and if I meet you in London, or in your case, Ireland, or in London, uh, you buy me a beer. That sounds like a good deal. Are you are you in or are you out? I'm in. It depends on the what beer do you want. Uh, the most expensive. No, I'm. I mean the. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm a lager guy, so just uh, pour oh, me you're a, a cheap lager. Date. You're yep. a cheap guy. Yeah, okay, no problem. No, no, no um, specially brewed craft IPA or anything like that. No. You just want a regular old lager. Fuck the oh, IPA. Give me a lager I'll, and... Uh, I'll, I'll get you two. How about that? There's sounds, a deal. Sounds great to me, mate. Uh, so, um, after the podcast... And Oscar, Oscar, I'll get you one as well, of course. I wouldn't want you to feel left out. So that, That's very kind. Woohoo! Best deal of that's... my life. <laughs> Uh, that would be a good day. So uh, after the podcast, Andrew, I write your email and we sort out the details. Or uh, okay, great, perfect, fantastic, perfect. What a good deal that was. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> all right. That was that. Um, to this weekend, as we all know, Arsenal didn't play a game. It was an interlull, and I always feel like this podcast, where there wasn't hasn't been a game, there's nothing particular to talk about. It almost feel like you know, you put on your sweatpants, put on your feet on the desk on the table, and just an you know general conversation about Arsenal. So I start to ask you, uh, Andrew, um, the start of the season. What do you think? What are your thoughts? Arsenal played seven league games and two cup games, I think. Um, what do you think so far? Well, obviously, the first three games were. Were, am I allowed to swear on this? Yes, swear. Fire yes. away, fire they, away. They were fucking terrible, the first three games of the season. Really, really bad. And I know that there were some mitigating circumstances, you know, with players who were missing because of COVID for the opening day against Brentford. But that was bad to lose to them. To lose to Chelsea, you know, I don't think anybody expected much. And then we got hammered by Manchester City. It was a fairly depressing performance and, and not a good result. So the first three games were terrible. But we've now, you know, we won the two cup games. We took 10 points from 12 from the next four games, which I think is a good return. Kept three clean sheets. We've brought some new players into the team, um, you know, we like new players, not just because they're new, but maybe because they haven't done anything to disappoint us yet, you know? Yeah. So they, they have this freshness about them that's easy to get behind. So Tommy Asu has come in, Ben White's come in, Gabriel, who was a new signing last year, he's he's back now and looking good. Odegaard is back. Uh, Lukonga's come in. You know, it's there's a freshness to, to the team, which I think is something we've needed for a little while so the first three games fucking terrible the next four premier league games pretty good and let's go from here at least we've given ourselves a little bit of a platform to to build on as we go into the next four games i'm you know i can't say i'm like super optimistic but i'm certainly feeling a lot better about things than i was after the man city game where it was it was pretty much all black. You could not see any light at all. And slowly, slowly, a little bit of light has emerged. And, and hopefully we can, uh, you know, uh, head out into the sunshine and sunny days and lots of wins and what have you. But there's still a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. And we need to score more goals and, and everything else. But um, I think you would say in, in general, it was a terrible start to the season. And we've we've done pretty well to make up for that but we still have a, a a lot to do because you know the the damage that those first three games did was was quite a lot oscar do you have something to add to that or uh... no uh, i don't think so or maybe that it's uh, well even with our bad start we're uh we're not that far off, which is feels pretty good. We could have been a lot worse if, uh, I mean, our like we like to see them, our main uh, main rivals, the top six. If 
it's hard to say we really are top six anymore, but uh, and everyone will know what I mean. It's hard to say that uh, we could have been far worse off considering where they are at as well. There's mm. been a lot of teams who had a bit of an iffy start, so that's a bit that cheers me up a bit actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can just agree with everything you said. Like, like you said, Andrew, the first three games was fucking awful. What did you say? Um, terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, but after then we, you know, play ourselves up a bit. But I have to say, um, I'm still a bit worried. And it's not just this season; it's going back to last season as well. Um, looking to on paper on our squad, I think we have. Uh, a pretty good attack, actually, uh, if I have to say. You know, Saka, Aubameyang, Smith-Rowe, Erdegaard, Pepe, you can throw in there. Um, and we still doesn't, A, make enough chances. Uh, this is not news for anyone, uh, I think. Uh, B, doesn't score enough goals. Um, and I know we, we scored three good goals against uh, Spurs. Woohoo! But um, otherwise, it's just 1-0, 1-0, and then nil-nil against Brighton. So... I'm a bit worried about that. We doesn't score, create enough chances. Um, and like I said, it's not just this season. It's the season before. Um, I don't know what it takes uh, for Arteta to, uh, can you say, you know, a handbrake off. Um, <coughs> what do you say, Andrew, about that? Is, uh, no, uh, like I said, it's, it's no news for anyone, but I'm, I'm starting to get a bit worried. Yeah, I mean, that would be my main concern. Because I think we've seen that there's a, a defensive commitment, defensive solidity to the team when you keep three clean sheets from four games. Um, you know, people can say, look, it's only Burnley, it's only Norwich, it's only Brighton, if they want to say that. But, you know, you look at the Brentford game and we got bullied. We were bullied by Brentford. Yeah. We couldn't cope with them physically. And if you're looking for signs of improvement, the fact that we were able to cope with Burnley, with Brighton, um, you know, that's that's encouraging. So the next thing is, is chance creation and scoring more goals. And the problem is, is, is when you don't score enough goals, you've no margin for error in a game, you know? Like the Burnley game, the Norwich game, 1-0 wins, and they were good, and I think we deserve to win both the games. But... One moment could cost you two points. One little slip, a set piece, a corner, something like that. They score a goal and it's a draw rather than a win. Whereas if you get two or three goals in a game, as we did against Spurs, they can score one and it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. really matter. I mean, look, it always matters when you concede a goal against Spurs. But in the, the overall context of the game, it doesn't really matter because you've got a you've got a margin for error there because you score goals. And I think that has to be the next step for Mikel Arteta in terms of how he how he develops this team. He's got to get them scoring more goals. And if he can't get them scoring goals with the players that he has, you know, you mentioned there are players on the bench who might want to go, like Martinelli, Martinelli like Pepe. Um, you know, Balogun maybe might want a, a go up front. We could talk about Lacazette, I guess, but I don't think his future really lies at Arsenal. So, um he does have to he does have to change something to try and get more goals and maybe we'll see that with the absence of granite shaka he might be more inclined to play you know a 4-3-3 whatever it might be and just get an extra attacking player on the pitch um so if he can find the balance there between defensive solidity and good attacking play and we can score a few more goals then hopefully the trajectory will continue upwards but like you yeah i'm you can't not be worried until such time as we prove that we can do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you mentioned Martinelli there, and I know, Oscar, you want to talk a bit about Martinelli, but uh, just going to ask you, Andrew, again, do you think Arteta got it, uh, you know, has it in him to create... I know he's not the one creating chances, but you know what I mean. Because uh, we have seen Arteta in charge now for almost two years, um, and Arsenal hasn't won a game more than... I know we won 6-0 against uh, West Brom's under 12 or something like that. Um, but otherwise, it's just two, three, maybe four nil wins. And uh, otherwise, it's just 2-1, one, one nil, uh, two nil or something. Do you, so do you think Arteta has it in him to uh, make an offensive kind of game style? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um... 
I, I don't know is my genuine answer. I really don't know. Um, I think the evidence of what we've seen over the last 20 months would, would make me doubtful. Yeah. But I, I, I also feel like we made some signings this summer, even though they were defensive signings, which were also designed to to boost the team from an attacking point of view in that it gives us a better platform. Someone like Ben White has got good passing range, can carry the ball. Aaron Ramsdale, his distribution is better than Bernd Leno. That gives us more chance to keep possession and, and maybe you know exploit teams on the counter-attack as we saw for that uh, second goal against Spurs. Um, Tommy Asu at right back brings nice balance to that area of the pitch uh, and hopefully can allow some of the players further forward to to express themselves. But I, I, I feel like as well he does have to allow the players the freedom of expression. Um, like It feels sometimes like too much of the way that we play is is predetermined. It's patterns which are practiced on the training ground. And those can be very, very useful. Don't get me wrong, you know. If you can, if you can um, start a move and you know where a player is going to be when the ball comes to you and you can play a first-time pass and you know that your teammate is going to be making a run, that is really, really useful. Mm-hmm. Um, but when those moves don't, they, they require a lot of precision. And yeah. when those moves don't come off, you're sort of back to square one. You've got to go back and, and start building again and all that kind of stuff. And I just feel like maybe we miss... We said this a couple of weeks ago on on the podcast. Um, you know, maybe you miss a player like Alexis Sanchez, someone who's got that that ability to be part of the the technical way that you play, but also has the individuality to make something happen in a game when when that stuff is not working. You know, yeah. and maybe that's something that we miss. Could that player? And I'm trying to get do a good segue here. Could that player, Oscar, be? Gabriel Martinelli, what do you think? I don't know. Uh, all I know is that I really like uh, Martinelli, and I wish that he, uh, from when we come back from this interlog, get more chances. I think he should at least get more chances from the bench. And uh, prob- maybe it's because I like him so much that I am starting to be- get a bit worried about uh, his lack of playing t- uh, playing time. But then again, we have the Africa Cup of Nations coming up in uh, January or February, and maybe he gets his chance then. But I was curious to know uh, what your thoughts are on Martinelli, uh, Andrew, if you think uh, he needs to get more chances and if he deserves more chances or uh, how it would affect his um, his career at Arsenal. Because he can't be uh, just spending all of his time on the bench. He's too much of a talent for that. Yeah, we, myself and James talked about this on the Arscast Extra today. Um, we talked about him specifically, and we were just saying, like, it, it's like if you play Emile Smith-Rowe on the left-hand side, he's a very, very different player from Gabriel Martinelli. If you play Martinelli on the left-hand side and Smith-Rowe on the left-hand side, that's chalk and cheese, you know? So it's about where he's going to play in the long term. And where they see him playing, like, is he a striker? If they see him as a striker, and he's behind Aubameyang at the moment, you can kind of understand that. Um, but I would like to see him get a few more chances. I think he'll play in the 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 Carabao Cup game, um, and it'd be great to see him score. And I would like to see him used a little bit more from the bench in in some Premier League games as well. But I I, I also understand why let's say in a very tight fixture when perhaps you've got a one goal lead your final substitution probably isn't going to be Gabriel Martinelli it's going to be Ainsley Maitland-Niles or Lukonga or somebody to give you a bit more security in the final stages of a game you know what I mean so I think he would he would benefit from the team being more um, effective from an attacking point of view like if Arsenal are 3-0 up in a game and there's 20 minutes to go, his chances of getting on the pitch are much higher uh, than it than it, they would be if it was 1-0. 
Now, if it was 1-1 or if, if we were losing, then you, you throw on as many attacking players as you want, but th those are not necessarily ideal circumstances. So um, I hope he can get more chances, and I hope when he does get the chances, he takes them and, and shows people you know, what that talent is all about because he really did look so exciting when he burst onto the scene in his first season, you know, and he's had a few injury problems and, and what have you since. But I think it's one of those that we're going to have to assess maybe towards the end of the season, because I think he'll get chances when the, the African Cup of Nations is on because Aubameyang will be gone and Pepe will be gone as well. So it does open up a bit more room in the squad for, for him to get in. You mentioned uh, Africa's Cup of Nations there, Andrew, and you, uh, Oscar, you did it earlier before, and um, you mentioned Pepe, Uh, Pe Pepe, uh, Pepe, a uh, couple of um, yeah, yeah earlier, and th that got me thinking because I don't know about you, but I think that Saka, even though he's probably our best player, um, had a slow start to this season. Uh, I don't, I don't think that's weird because he played Euros, he was played to the ground um, the season before, and that got me thinking. Isn't it uh, a bit strange that? Pepe doesn't play more now and Saka get a rest until Pepe go away and play Africa's uh, Cup of Nation and then maybe get Saka into the team more. Or is Saka that good that, you know, if he has two legs he can stand on, he plays? Well, I think in certainly in the mind of Mikel Arteta, when Saka is fit, he plays because he plays him all the time. To be fair, like Pepe did start some of the games at the uh, the the early part of the season he started on the on the right and Saka was playing on the left. I think the big problem is that I think Arteta prefers Saka to Pepe and I think the more that we see of Saka the more it becomes clear that his most effective position is from the right-hand side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is a problem for Pepe because that is where he plays. Um I think Pepe is talented enough to do a job on the left-hand side as well to be honest, but It really just depends on what Mikel Arteta views um, or how he sees the, the, the team that he puts out there because I think Pepe does have that little bit of unpredictability. He has that ability to to score a goal, if not necessarily from nothing, but from very little. Um, and not too many of our players have that, but I, I, I always I have always felt like the manager isn't quite convinced by Pepe, whether it's his defensive work, whether it's his decision-making in the final third. There just is something that isn't quite there for Mikel Arteta, and I think he prefers Saka, and that that just spells a problem for Pepe. Could that be? But, but, oh, sorry, please, just no, continue. continue. Yep. The, the only thing I would say is that if we do play this 4-3-3, where it's Thomas Partey and you play... Smith Rowe and Odegaard as the the two number eights, then there's more room for Pepe to get onto the pitch because there is that extra attacking player on the pitch. And I think he's he is essentially the next guy. Um so I'm curious to see, you know, what happens in the next three or four games before we face Liverpool, how many chances he'll get and, and how much of a contribution he can make. Speaking of Pepe as well, uh he had He, how many years does he have left? Is it go going towards two years left, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 And here's the classic question: What do you think, Andrew? Uh, resign him or sell him? What do you think? It's a weird one because, like I said, he he doesn't feel fully compatible with this particular manager and this particular team. But at the same time, like he he last season was. I think he'd more goal contributions than anyone else, you yeah. know, between goals and assists. So for a team that doesn't score enough goals to let go of a guy who contributes quite a lot in that regard seems almost counterproductive, but it really depends on what they view his future as. Is he the kind of player that they want at the club for the next number of years Or would they rather cash in and spend some money on somebody else? You know, a different kind of player, a different kind of winger or attacking midfielder or something like that. So I think at this point it's too early to be definitive. But if we got to next summer and he was sold, I wouldn't be, a, I wouldn't be hugely surprised. 
No, uh, I wouldn't be hugely surprised. You know, if if his numbers are more or less the same as they were last season, and even in his first season, I think he put some you know pretty decent numbers together. I think it was sixteen goals uh, and assists combined. Same more or less last season, sixteen or eighteen, something like that. So it's a it's a fair number. But if it's more or less the same this season, if there isn't a huge uh, improvement or a really substantial improvement, I wouldn't be surprised if they sold him. It's a funny thing, like you said, that two uh, last seasons, he's the one in Arsenal who had best, you know, best uh, stats, leaning to goal, goals uh, and assists. And you, you think, here, nah, he's not making the team, uh, maybe you should sell him. And according to the stats, he should be the one, one of the first uh, on the team, on the team sheet. Um, but uh, that's a funny thing, football, it's not just scoring goals. Uh, or is it? <laughs> Oscar, do you have something to add to this before moving on? Because I have one more topic I want to go through before we let Andrew go. Um, don't know. I was just curious to look up what the transfer market uh, would... Uh, what uh, Nicola Pepe's uh, market value would be. And they say it's 35 million quid, but I'm not sure we would even get that much at the moment but uh, you never know maybe if he has a great Africa, African Cup of Nations and uh, the Ivory Coast goes far in that we'll find suitors and uh, I'm not convinced he's the right player for the team as well but we'll have to see, wait and see Yeah, I can't see there's I have a hard time seeing there should be a lot of clubs lining up to sign him at the moment this give gives me a segue. Maybe this club. Um, I'm, I'm gonna. Ma- yeah. Andrew, do you know what I'm going with this? <laughs> I think you might be uh, asking me about Newcastle. Would that be it? Um, yes, it is. And actually, we have a, a question on the topic. It comes from Micke Eriksson at Micke Eriksson he uh, on Twitter. Says, "When do you think we're gonna win the Premier League again? Feels extremely far away now with another." money sack in the league uh, obviously he's talking about Newcastle and it's the big news of the week um, so let's talk about it Andrew, Newcastle, fuck them or what do you say? Well um, it's it's quite a a huge thing isn't it for a, a club to be bought by a country essentially Saudi Arabia I know it's a, a they're investment fund but basically the the people who run the investment fund are the people who run uh, the country so there's no real separation the money is huge it's it's way beyond anything we've ever seen uh certainly their 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 on paper wealth is is way beyond man city it's way beyond chelsea so they could very easily come in and just blow everybody out of the water when it comes to the transfer market and it'll have an impact on the transfer market in general because you know prices will get skewed because Newcastle won't really care how much they have to pay to get the players that they want to get so it's not going to happen overnight they'll make some signings in January we'll see what they do in the transfer window next summer but they're going to improve there's no question I mean it would it would be one of the most absurd, ridiculous things of all time if Newcastle have these new owners with all this money and didn't get any better. I mean, it would be hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it would it would also be ludicrous. It would be just bizarre uh, because, as history has shown us, when rich owners come in, the clubs get better and they become more successful. And that's another thing that Arsenal are going to have to deal with, which is, you know. Um, I suppose unfortunate, but then it's true of every club in the Premier League. They're going to have to deal with this, and clubs in Europe, I think, eventually are going to have to deal with this. So, yeah, look, it's. I think it's. I don't think it's great for football the way that ownership has been allowed to develop, and this was inevitable, basically. Um, you know, there's no real rules on who can buy a football club and you know what the purposes of that purchase are and and everything else so you know i know there's a big big conversation to be had about the morality of it and all that kind of stuff but if we're talking just football it is going to make all of our lives more difficult 
because they're going to be good. They might come after some of our players. They might be offering money that we simply can't refuse. They might offer money that uh, some of the players want to take. You know, so they're going to be a big, big disruptor in the next 18 months, two years, and then we'll see where we are with them. So to answer Mikke's uh, question here is like, Arsenal are going to win the Premier League again when the world is like Mad Max. There's no oil or gas uh, anywhere yeah. to be seen. I, I think so. I think so. We're going to have to... Be patient. Be patient. What we need is like the 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 guys who are in renewable energy, you know, the, the king of solar and the king of recycled vegetable oil. Uh, are you talking about Flamini kind of now? Matthew Flamini? Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe Matthew Flamini. He could be the guy. But look, it is what it is. I mean, that's where the money is. Um, it's very difficult to see Arsenal winning the league in the in the near future, which is a really, yeah, it's a painful thing to think about. It's a painful thing to say and a painful thing to consider. But it's if we're being realistic, it's going to take something extraordinary for Arsenal to to win the league again. Um, uh, but you know, yeah, uh, you never know. And not to interrupt interrupt with anything, but. It's not just for Arsenal to win the league. I mean, it's just so many trophies to win. It's the league, the FA Cup, the Champions League. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, and, you know, the League Cup. There are f- three domestic titles. One for Newcastle, one for City, one for Chelsea. And, you know, that's it. Maybe every once in uh, two years, maybe Manchester United or Liverpool win something. But, you know, that's it. Or Newcastle or City, uh, like takes turn to w- to win them all yeah, you know so uh, so it's not just the league it's maybe the last time mm-hmm. arsenal can win a trophy well cup football is funny you know you can you can that always brings a surprise you know um we saw you know wigan win the fa cup beating manchester city a few years ago so that's True. not impossible i think it's it's more to do with the the longevity of a season i think it's really sad to be honest that the the sport has got to a point whereby the the genuine competitiveness of the sport of the game itself is basically a thing of the past yep and it will come down to who has the most money and i realize that 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 used to not that that used to be the case but there was always an imbalance there were always some clubs who had more money than other clubs because they had bigger support or a bigger stadium. They could generate more revenue. They could spend more on players. They could spend more on wages and attract the best players. There was always that, but but, but it felt yeah. sort of cyclical in a way that you know teams would go, uh, be good and bad and and yeah. If it's a case that just forever and ever and ever the only teams that can win the Premier League are Chelsea or Man City or Newcastle or maybe Man United uh, because they still have a ridiculous amount of uh, financial firepower, not in the same bracket as the others, but they can still operate within those structures, you know, it it would just be really sad if that's all that the Premier League was. Um, I don't know what they can do about it now at this point, to be honest, but... It would be sad if if the money really had that much of an impact on on the game itself. I, I, and I think that's really is the point. Like this is this is just sad news because and I I know it's been like this for a while, you know, with Chelsea and Man City and everything. But this is on a completely new level. It's like it's not even it's not even sports anymore. It's just oh, you have the most money, or oh, of course you're gonna win. It doesn't matter what we do, you're gonna win. Uh, you're gonna win uh, the game between us, and you're gonna win the league, and uh, you know that's it. Um, and like you said, it's been, the, you know, in a way, the teams with most money has, has won. Like look through the years, Liverpool and uh, United and and Arsenal, but I, I think that's on another level because those teams have built this through years and years and years and years and years and years and years, and now it's just overnight, boom. We have the most money. We are the best team. So, yeah, I mean that's it. it. You know, it's no longer about how well your club is run. Oh. It's no longer about what you build. Even though I think there's still some scope for that, and I hope that Arsenal building a young squad and a young team together 
will prove to be successful. But, you know, the odds are very much against them. But it's not about strategy, really. It's not about how many fans you can get in your stadium, how many tickets you can sell, how many um, corporate boxes you can sell, how successful you are to raise the profile of the club. You know, it really is. There are shortcuts to it. Newcastle have just taken a great big shortcut. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a problem for, for us and it's a problem for a lot of clubs in the Premier League. And yeah, so let's see where it goes. And in a, a way, new enemy. Yeah. yeah, a new enemy for sure. And in a way, uh, like you said before, Andrew, Premier League and football have done this to themselves. Yes, they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Oscar, do you want to fill in with anything or just fuck them? <laughs> yeah, we don't like magpies. Nothing new there. No, no, no. <laughs> magpies are evil. That's for sure. He knew it all yeah. along. James, he knew it all along. We should have listened, but we didn't. He was trying to tell us. Yes, yes. No, but I don't think I have much uh, to add on the topic, unfortunately. Well, sad, sad news, sad days. Um, but I, I think we can't, you know, go out on a sad note. So, Andrew, what do you think about our next couple of games? We play Palace uh, at home. In a week, so it's much, much can happen in a week. Maybe Newcastle has bought our best players by then. But um, what do you think? I can't do that. Ah, yeah, ju- I'm just kidding. But um, um, I think we've got a run of games, you know, before we play Liverpool that we can take a good amount of points from. Um, and I think we've got some games that we can perhaps go out and try and express ourselves in. Uh, you know, we're at home against Crystal Palace who are, you know, managed by Patrick Vieira. So that'll be uh, an interesting uh, aspect to this. But, you know, we have talented players. We do have talented players and we do have good attacking players. And I'm hopeful that, you know, maybe we can take the handbrake off a little bit, score some goals, get some points on the board and and continue just to, to, to build on this platform that we did in the last four games. And if we can get, you know, another 10 points from these um four games i think that would be a, a good return and uh you know then we've got to face liverpool and that's a very different prospect so uh i'm i'm cautiously optimistic about what's coming next oscar how about you next game next games i'm probably in the same boat there pretty optimistic um nothing to um show the difference uh what to make me not be optimistic at the moment uh We'll uh, have to wait and see, and hopefully our uh, balanced platform will uh, lead to more success offensively as well. As long, as, I think it's very important that we can uh, keep our uh, back five units with the goalkeeper in counting that uh, ticking on and uh, keeping them fit and uh, being able to face them. On the pitch for uh, or have them on the pitch for the upcoming games uh, to be would be the first time in a very long time that we would be able to do that um, having the same uh, defensive unit on the pitch together working together and evolving together and also it's important that Thomas Partey doesn't uh, he uh, doesn't shoot like he did uh, against Brighton and uh, yeah all in all, we uh, hopefully we can evolve the platform that we started building on now in the last four games, and I'm optimistic. I say Arsenal free, Crystal Palace nil, all three goals scored by Thomas Partey. How about that? I think you've had that beer, have you? You have both those beers. Oh, God damn it. How did you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be nice. It would yeah. be nice if he got uh, off the score sheet, that's for sure. I mean, sometimes you have to score, right? He shoots high uh, and low. I was about to say mostly high, but um, you know what I mean. Um, Andrew, this has been a blast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. But before I let you go, do you have a song for us? Yes, I have a song um, by a Swedish artist uh, who I think is awesome, actually. Uh, Robin. Ooh, yep. I love Robin. And uh, the song is Cobra Style which is a bit of a banger so yeah let's have let's have that so i like that i like that thank you very much um andrew like i said thank you very much for this it's been a blast if you uh, want to read more listen more 
more Ars blog in your life, go to arsblog.com and listen to Arscast um, every Monday, every Friday. Thank you very much, Andrew. Guys, thanks very much indeed. Uh, thanks for having me on again and uh, enjoy the season and hopefully we can talk again soon. And thank you to Oscar. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Philip. Um, and thank you, Andrew. The biggest thank you to everyone who listen. Um, have a nice week. Ooh, to be a gooner. <laughs>